I'm T. Rick Jones. I'm the managing editor of Daily Star Trek News. And I'm Tony Tolado. I'm the host and producer for the Sci-Fi Talk podcast. And welcome. Now, if you haven't seen the, even if you haven't seen the season, especially the last episode of Star Trek Picard, then turn this off right now and uh, go and watch the episode. This is going to be a spoiler full podcast today. So uh, don't listen yet unless you've seen the episode. And it's going to be available on both our platforms and you can subscribe on Apple, Apple Podcasts. So if you haven't already, do so and you can you can get both copies or or just one of us is fine because we're both beyond it um rick why don't you why don't you give me like your general reaction to the season and then we'll dive into the finale uh the season i loved the season it was my favorite season of star trek picard um and i i think a lot of people feel that way um i i uh i from beginning to end i mean i i Next generation is my Star Trek. Um, I like, I love the original too, and I love all the iterations. But Next Gen was the first season that, or the first series that I grew up watching as it aired. Um, and so to have the whole cast back and to have them come back, sort of uh, leading up to all of them being on board by the end of the season was really, it was exciting. And, and I just loved the season. Uh, I thought the the plot I thought was really well done. I mean, Terry really worked on it. You could tell. Uh, And one of my biggest complaints in the movies is whenever a cast member, or even in the series, especially the original series, how little the supporting cast was used. It was all Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, and, and maybe Scotty once in a while. But um, but what I liked about this is that everybody from the next generation got to showcase their skills in their wheelhouse. A- and I thought that was good with some surprises uh, that we'll talk about. But I thought that was so important. And I, I really liked the season. Uh, didn't see the ending coming. Uh, when uh, they opened that door, I was surprised, <laughs> and it was like, "Oh no!" Um, but we'll talk about the specifics of it. But uh, yeah. all in all, I thought it was a great season. It fixed whatever problems I had with Nemesis. This was the way they should have gone out, and uh, to be on the D, uh, man, that was just something really special. One hundred percent agree. Yeah, that was really fantastic. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, uh, yeah, let's. Um, so, the highlights of the season. What were your highlights? So, things that stood out to you. Let's see. Um, I mean, there were so many. A, a big part of the season um, with Worf. I'm glad Worf was in a lot of the season. One of my favorite characters, and they used him really well. They used they. He was he was a lot more. He was used a lot more for humor purposes than he was in the original. Um, next generation they weren't real great at humor in the next generation and i thought his byplay with Riker was just (laughs) and you know um i i loved and i loved where they took his character uh that was a big highlight for me um 
let's see. I mean, every every one of the cast was great. Um, uh, I loved when the Enterprise D showed up. Um, you know, um, it was that was a surprise, and it really, really I thought worked well. Um, I thought the way they ended the Borg, they ended the Borg basically was um, was a really a really interesting way to do it, and and really really exciting. Um, so, and Captain Shaw, I loved Captain Shaw. I was, uh, very sorry when he was killed off because I loved him. I'd love to see him continue on in some other form. So. Yeah, no, I hear you. My highlights are anytime they fought the Shrike and had one of my favorite lines. You just threw an asteroid at, or, or, or a meteor at the, uh, or an asteroid at the Shrike. I thought that was that, a great line. That was such a cool moment. It really was. It was great. And uh, really, anything in the nebula, it reminded me, yeah, Star Trek II, but also a submarine movie called Run Silent, Run Deep, which is was the, the impetus for Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, a little bit using that. Yeah. Um, Amanda Plummer, what great casting. Great, great casting. Yeah. You know, that was just, she was phenomenal. Uh, you know, it's, it was just a really well done season filled with humor, lots of uh, emotion and uh, and just tugged at the heartstrings of any Star Trek fan. It was like there were I, there was the, even seeing it this morning that when we're recording this, um, I, it was like I had some emotional moments, even though I knew what was coming. So it was just great to uh it they just went out in style and uh, i'm keeping my fingers crossed for star trek legacy i think that's a, a great idea for a possible show absolutely it still stays us in this part of the you know the 25th century so yeah we'll, we'll, see. we'll see yeah that that would be fantastic um and i think you know talking to terry metallis he, he was like be vocal if you want yep. star trek legacy let him know because you know that's the only way it'll get made is if you know, the fans let the studio know that it's something they want and will watch. Mm -hmm. Hashtag Star Trek Legacy, folks. Just keep doing it. And because it worked for Strange New Worlds. And, you know, they will listen to you, which is something that, God bless Alex Kurtzman, he does listen to what the fans want Absolutely. and is willing to give it. Yeah. So, um, guest stars, anything that, uh, you know, there's there's a few that I like, but any any ones that stood out to you? Well, I um, I I agree with you. Amanda Plummer was a you know spot on solid. I loved her interpretation of the character. I loved she had sort of a, a, a off the beaten path way of saying lines, and you know I just thought she was phenomenal, and she was definitely a highlight guest star. Uh, Todd Stashwick. Captain Shaw, I liked, and I really liked, um, you know, I, li I liked Ed Spilliers, but he wasn't my favorite of the season. I really liked um, Ashley Sharp Chestnut, um, who I got to talk to a couple of weeks ago, um, and she's she's just a lovely person, and I really liked that character of Sydney LaForge. I loved I loved her um, on the show as well. How about you? Yeah, the LaForge girls were great. Um, really, what I really liked, uh, you know, besides Amanda was. Getting uh, Michelle Forbes to come back, yeah, I thought that was just uh, uh, the scene between 
uh, Roe and Picard in the briefing room was so emotional and so so spot on with their characters. Loved it. Um, you know, really great to see Tim Russ again. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. You know, first as a changeling and then as himself. I thought that was great. Uh, really, really liked that. Yeah. And uh, Elizabeth Dennehy was a surprise and a, a welcome surprise. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you know, playing uh, Admiral Shelby now. And uh, I think she's you know, is she dead? Because I they weren't real explicit, but I think the Enterprise F blew up. Right. I believe so. That that would probably, you know, it's something we'll talk about at the end of this, uh, the last episode. But there wouldn't be a G unless something happened to the F. So right. maybe that's what happened. <laughs> I don't know. Um, John Delancey, you know, kind of at the pickup. It was yeah. it was pure Q, real pure yeah. Q. And really, I don't know if you picked up on this, but Walter Koenig's voice, you know, Walter Koenig linked his voice for playing Chekhov, Pavel Chekhov's son, Anton Chekhov. Mm-hmm. And my wife and I caught this. It was like Anton, Anton. Yel- it was really a tribute to Anton Yelchin, and yeah. I thought that was yeah, I thought that was so cool. beautifully done and honoring him as well. Yeah, God, they just hit so many good notes on this series, and it was just so cool. It, yeah, it really was. I mean, there. It's obviously being made by Star Trek fans. Yes. So, because they know what we want to see, they they listen. As you say, they listen to us. Um, and they know what it's like, I'm sure, to be fans who aren't listened to. Um, you know, I, they, they obviously adore this property and want to do right by it and uh, know what tugs at the nostalgia heartstrings. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, it was, it, again, it just so beautifully done and it was just uh, great. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of humor in this, too. Yeah. Yeah, there was. Um, I mean, and, and a lot of it, as I said, was with Worf and Riker. Um, that moment when Worf rescues Riker and Troy and then basically verbally starts making love to her. <laughs> and Riker's like, wait a second. Um, you know, stuff like that were, were just, you know, gold. Um, but there there was other humor throughout as well. You know, it wasn't just them. Um, it was just, and just the right amount of humor. It didn't get to the point where it was silly. But, um, you know, Picard had some great lines. Um, you know, it, it was just, it, I, I love that because, as I say, Star Trek has, doesn't have the best track record with humor. Um, you know, even some of the humor, humorous episodes of, like, Next Generation, they're okay. They're, you know, you can appreciate them for what they are. But these were some laugh-out-loud moments this season, which I really appreciated. Yeah, I love that scene too with Riker and Troy and uh, and Worf. I thought that was great. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite lines that Riker said was, "Well, let's boldly get the hell out of here." I thought that was great. <laughs> that was such a great line, kind of you know riffing on the boldly go where no one. Yeah, is exactly. And he's he his delivery is just so good because it's perfect. A little bit understated. Yeah, but enough that you know he's you know he's winking at you. It's yeah. He's Briggs has some good delivery there. In the finale, I thought what I really liked too was when when uh, Crusher fires the weapons, and then you know everybody turns around and looks at her like, "What?" And she goes, 
I had to learn a few things in 20 years. It was such a great comeback. <laughs> it really was. Because, you know, I think this season had the best use of Crusher that they've yes, ever Ever. Think, you know, I think she was a competent doctor, which she wasn't quite. She lost a lot of patients during. She did. She did. <laughs> um, and, you know, she she has grown as a person. And she, you know, they they managed to write that growth and work on work on that growth and and she's learned a few things over the years without making it a completely different character where you say this isn't the dr crusher i know you mm -hmm. know she they really managed to walk that fine line and i thought it was it was fantastic what did, what were your impressions of the production design and the visual effects for this um i'm i'm a starship geek so i loved all the starships i mean i that episode nine i think it was no episode six where they go to the starship museum for the first time and you see all the all the old shit oh. um but the new stuff's awesome too like i just thought i think the titan looks amazing um i can't remember if it was it wasn't you i was talking to a friend about um about the titan and it's I mean, it's very much harkens back to original series Enterprise and that that beautiful design. Um, it's not exactly the same, which it shouldn't be, but it you know it's definitely reminiscent of that. And I love that. I thought the Titans look was beautiful. I thought the sets were gorgeous. Um, I just want to go and like wander around those sets. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's it, they were just they were just beautiful. I really want to uh, get a chance to talk to Dave Blass. And talk to him about some of this stuff because it yeah. was fantastic. So it was pr production design. It was probably the best season of Picard as well. Um, yeah, I agree. I thought they did an excellent job. The Shrike was really well designed. Yeah. And uh, if you watch uh, the Ready Room, like I have, they uh, they actually tell you how they kind of cheated a few things. Yeah, uh, you know, like her background. Uh, you know, Vedic's uh, uh, background was actually really something really cheaply done but yeah it looked really good the way they dress that set absolutely um it was just really well done visual effects i i thought they were first rate yeah and i have a big screen and believe me you'd see flaws on the big screen sure and it looked terrific it looked absolutely terrific and actually this morning was the first time i saw the finale on the big screen oh and it was just holds up really well because yeah. i've been watching it as a screener like you have so yeah sure but uh yeah if you have a big screen i would recommend watching it again because it looks really good yeah i have a 55 inch screen at home but my my living room is small so it's about as big as it as living room can take and it looks yeah. like a big screen when you're in that in that little room so um so yeah i got that i got that as well that it was you know it just it's a beautiful show mm-hmm Really? Dude, 55 is no slouch, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. I have had smaller televisions. Oh, yeah. We've all okay. had smaller televisions, unfortunately. <laughs> Watching Star Trek in a little box like that was just a challenge. <laughs> but that's all I could afford in those days, trying exactly. to break into radio, you know, those days from there. You know, when, when you were talking about Vatic and um, the Shrike, it made me, it made me remember uh, something that's not really production design. But um, I, I think you were aware they didn't have her for the first like half of the season. They That's right. That's right. All her stuff. She was booked somewhere else. They filmed all her stuff in a day. The wow. all the stuff on the Shrike in a day, I think. 
Um, and then when she went over to the Titan, I think it took a little bit longer. But they weren't, they hired her not knowing. And, um, you know, if she, I mean, she's a fantastic actress. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I was looking at photos of her throughout the years in different films. And she looks completely different in every in every film. Yes. So I'm wondering if she's actually a changeling in real life. But, um, <laughs> but she, uh, you know, she just came in and blew them away. And I mean, she's just, she's fantastic. I know this sort of goes back to our guest star thing a little bit, but, um, but she, she just, you know, and filming on that set for just a day, she just, she just came in and knowing what she was doing. Wow. Would have been a Genevieve Bujold moment. If you know the history yeah, I do um, know the history. <laughs> anybody who's listening who doesn't know, Genevieve Bujold was brought in to play Captain Janeway in Star Trek Voyager without an audition. And it was the worst move they could have made because she was a film actress. She was playing everything sort of down low and and she was just not very good. And after a few days, and she wasn't happy because she was used to filming a page a day and they were having to film four or five pages a day because it's television. So they, by mutual agreement, she left and they brought in Kate Mulgrew and the rest is history. It yeah. could be like that, but it wasn't. Um, no. You know. Uh, I've actually seen footage of Genevieve Bougeau. They shot a few scenes. Yeah. And I think on the bridge and it was just, you're watching it going, oh my God, yeah. she's a great actress, but she's horrible. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. just was not a good fit, no matter yeah, what I, they tried. I, I just read something recently that they said we they think what she was going for was, well, these people all know their jobs, so I just need to sit back and let them do it. But that's not how to helm a series. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it was it would have been a very slow, boring series if that had occurred. Mm -hmm. You know, there were some uh, horror elements in this, too, that I uh, appreciated. What one of the most creepiest moments is when changeling Tuvok morphs into Riker and his face was like his makeup on it was just making look more pale like yeah. he was dead or dying uh -huh. and it was like oh he's dead and the way Jonathan delivered that line yeah that was really really creepy that was creepy yeah um and I I always I always appreciate when Star Trek plays around with the genre so it's sometimes, I mean, it's a science fiction series, but sometimes it's really a horror series or sometimes it's a comedy or, you know, like they have all these different, different things to play around with. And they played with humor. I mean, I'm sorry, horror really well this season. Um, and that, as you say, that was one of the creepiest moments was, you know, when, when they realized, and it was a great fake out because they realized they, you know, they were like, oh, okay, this is Tuvok because he knew this thing and yeah suddenly he didn't know a thing and and everything changed and suddenly you, along with seven you realize this is not our tuvok yeah they, they played that really well it was really well uh, directed and acted oh um, definitely definitely and really every time vedic would communicate with the uh you know with her bosses and you, she would cut herself, and then part of her herself would leak, and then morph into this head. Yeah, um, it was. Uh, they changed the changeling, you know, at you know the liquid stage. You know, it was kind of like a uh, almost a copper or a gold color in the original series, 
And obviously they couldn't do the same because at that time there was broadcast standard they had to adhere to. So Odo wouldn't look, you know, this one looks more fleshy and, you know, maybe it's also because they're different changelings. I guess that's the way you explain it. Sure. But I thought that was really kind of a creepy element. And my, the, my wife, when she first saw her communicate, she was like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. Oh, definitely it's not. Yeah. And even the morphing was was a little bit different. It was a little bit grosser and a little bit creepier. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think it was I think it did really well. And while we're on the changelings. Um, I'm glad that they didn't do an Odo, like CGI Odo. Um, no, yeah, that would have not worked. Right. And, and, but what, but they, but Odo was part of the season still. They, yes. You know, Rene Auberginois pa passed away a couple of years ago, sadly. Yeah. Um, because it would have been great to have seen him in this. And I believe that they would have put him in it if he were still alive. Um, but I, it's great that they name checked him two or three times throughout the season, didn't overdo it, um, and didn't always even use his name. Just mentioned that there's this changeling out there that's you know talking to Worf, um, but then didn't like weren't like, hey, look, here's Odo. You know it, that just would have been that would have ruined it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. They did a classy way. I wish I would have mentioned him by name, but uh, you know, but that's. Uh... I, that's I, great. I could be wrong. I think they did once. The the original time, the time they mentioned that they didn't, but I thought I heard his name once, but I could be okay. wrong. The Really, the other creepy thing is the Borg Queen herself, and really the Borgs that were left on the cube. Yeah. Uh, I mean, those were really good horror makeups. They really were. Absolutely. It was... Uh, she she's seen better days. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she has. Uh, and to use the um, the her people, her Borg, basically to keep her life going. Yeah, is a really genius thing because you know it it actually makes a lot of sense that she would think that way. Um, but it's just you know we're used to seeing the Borg one way, and now to see them all dying because the Borg Queen wants to stay alive is really, is really something. Mm -hmm. All right. Do you think, is it time to talk about the finale? Uh, yeah, sure. Let's do it. Well, what did you think of that plot? I mean, they, they, the, at the end of Vox, of course, the Enterprise is ready to warp out and yeah. ready. They left the space, the, you know, Geordie's museum and they are on their way. And, um, and then here we go. What did you think of that? Did they was that plotted the way it should have been, rather than maybe them joining the battle to go off to the cube? So um, I think so because I think I think the season was about this crew that we know and love coming together, um, and they clearly at the end of Vox made a point of writing a scene where Seven and Raffi stay on the Titan because they wanted this core group of next generation characters to be the only ones on the bridge of the enterprise. That makes a lot of sense um, narratively and also, you know, fan service. See, um, and I think, I think sending the enterprise off to do its own thing allowed them to focus on each of those characters a little bit more while seven and Raffi um, were more dealing with the bigger picture. Um, 
it, it makes also makes a lot of sense that Picard is basically responsible for the Borg's end. He's been so wrapped up in what in you know what the Borg had did to him in the best of both worlds in season three of Next Generation. Um, you know, I think it's only right that he and his crew see it through to the end. Um, you know, the the one thing I was thinking, I was kind of wishing the younger people, like Sidney LaForge and, and all of them, had a little more to do other than sort of be these zombies, Borg, Borgified zombies, um, and then at the end they're fine. Um, but I understand narratively that's how it had to how it had to happen. I feel like there should have been one more big reveal um, in the second part of that after uh, in um, the last generation. You know, there was a big we ended Vox with the big reveal of the Enterprise D, um, which was a great reveal. Uh. Then there wasn't really a reveal until the very, very end, which I think there should have been something having to do with this story. That was a big reveal. I don't know what that would have been, but I felt like the last episode needed a big reveal um, of some kind. Um, you know, and as I say, I have no idea what that would be, but I think, uh, you know, you had nowhere nowhere else to go once you saw the the D at the end of Vox. Maybe, maybe push that off until the beginning of, the next episode or something i don't know but what yeah. do you what do you think uh, yeah i think it's a good point i really do uh you know i it, he to terry's credit he had a lot of threads to tie up at the end of this episode true um the thing that i really liked you know that they split between uh, the enterprise d and the titan was what the titan was doing using the cloak very clever to not be detected it was all line of sight and uh, and I gotta say, Jerry Ryan was just superb in that episode. Yeah, I mean, you know, on the bridge, the scene with the with the poor cook who had to pilot the ship. <laughs> I was, was I thought was funny. Only the cook and reminded me of uh, Under Siege, that <laughs> Steven Seagal movie, <laughs> but a little bit. But uh, I thought that was uh, I thought that was she was just terrific. Yeah. And that little speech she makes, she goes, look, we're not dying for nothing here. We're, we're, you know, it's like, and, and that's the thing. It's like all during the episode, there were moments where each of the crews thought, Hey, this is it. We got no way out right now. Yeah. And uh, this, this is the only way it's going to work. And it's for us to, it's for us to give her, give everything. And we're not doing it for any, nothing. We're trying to save. We are, it, we are Starfleet. We're what's left of Starfleet. Absolutely. So I thought that was really good. I can't say enough. Another moment for her was when she was given the promotion scene. And by the way, it was only fitting that Tuvok do it. Her old Absolutely. Voyager crewmate. I thought that was great. Yeah. But when they played the hologram of uh, of uh, Todd Stashwick's, uh, you know, Shaw, I thought, and I'll tell you, he just, he killed that scene. That was yeah. beautifully written for him. And to see the tears in her eyes, uh -huh. uh, I thought it was like, wow. The arc for, for Seven, I thought she has she was not better used more than she was in this series here. It just shows her growth. You know, instead of being like kind of like the mercenary in season one and two of Picard, 
yeah. you know, kind of, you know, mixing it up all the time. This way you showed that she could lead, that she could be, well, she was, she was promoted to captain. So I thought she was tremendous. And uh, the Jerry Ryan fans should be extremely happy yeah. on how she came off in this episode. She was just absolutely terrific. I, and I don't, looking back on it, I don't see how her arc could have ended any other way from the beginning of the season because because of the way uh, Shaw was treating her. He wasn't giving her the respect that we all know she deserves. He was calling her Commander Hansen instead of Commander Seven, which is her chosen name. He, you know, he was promising her that she would never command. And, you know, he was just, he wasn't listening to her. There's really no other way her arc could have satisfyingly ended if she hadn't been promoted. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think I think you know Tuvok. I mean, Tuvok was great. I I don't uh, think anybody else should have promoted her. No. Um, but I, they were talking about uh, bringing in Kate Mulgrew and having uh, Admiral Janeway promote her, uh, which would have been fine. But honestly, I think her relationship with Tuvok in um, in Voyager made it much more poignant that he was that he was promoting her. I really thought that was a great choice. I, I agree. I thought because they had mind melded during the course of the series yeah. on Voyager, I thought it was very appropriate. And, uh, you know, as Terry told us yesterday when we did the roundtable, that he didn't want to step on Prodigy's toes either. Right. Because right. Kate is involved in a very major storyline there right yeah. now. So, uh, yeah, it was it was just so beautifully done and so beautifully used. Yeah. What about Alice Krieger going coming back to do the voice? That was the second I heard her voice in Vox, I was like, oh, yeah. oh, that's Alex Alice Krieg. Um and it was it was great. I mean, nobody else could play. I mean, there have been what four different Borg Queens or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Um and um I was confused at first because I was like, didn't we dispense with the Borg last season? Um, but that was, and I've, I've been binging through the whole series now, now that it's over. Um, and I've gotten to season two and Terry's response was, well, that's an alternate timeline Borg queen. Uh, you know, um, Alison Pill is, is the Borg queen. It's an alternate thing. And I can see that. First, okay. Well, that seems a little bit like a cop out. But now that I'm watching it, I'm like, oh yeah, okay. That make now that I'm watching it again, binging through it again, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. So I'm willing to buy that. And I, Alice Creek, I just love Alice Creek. I think. She, oh yeah, I was good. Movie. You know, <clears throat> excuse me. I credit the actor that had to endure the makeup and kind of be hung there and talk about looking horrific. You could see her ribs. It was just really. It was like she was barely being sustained but yeah. just enough but um but the actor that had to probably recite all the lines and do all the emotions uh well knowing that alice was gonna take take her voice yeah. i thought did a great job too i don't know who that was but i credit them for that and the makeup made her look a little bit like alice but uh -huh. distorted brilliant brilliant makeup on her i thought that was just amazing yeah i the, the makeup has been i mean it's michael westmore level makeup um if if uh he were on this series this is the kind of thing he'd be doing um uh you know and he comes from a long line of makeup artists oh um, god yeah all the makeup during the berman era yeah and, 
you know, this is that level makeup. It's just that good. And they're able to do a lot more with it now. They're new makeup techniques that he didn't have access to. Um, and they add a little CG from time to time as well. But, mm -hmm. um, but you know, it just, it, it's so effective. Mm -hmm. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. So we got to talk about the Enterprise D and seeing that bridge for the first time. Oh. Or, or actually seeing it in 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 Jordy's museum for the first time. Yeah, and um, you know, like it, it's so funny because um, when something like that is done, where a ship is restored or whatever, usually it you know it uh, it it's done. It's like boy, that was really fast how they did that. Yeah, but the fact that Jordy has been kind of like like the way you would restore an old car in your garage, you kind of do a little bit here, a little bit there. Absolutely. And he's been doing it for the last 20 years. Yeah. So I was like, well, that makes total sense. You know, so I can totally see that. Yeah. But your reaction to seeing, you know, it in, in the museum and then when they walked on that bridge. Well, so first of all, I had no idea it was coming at all. No, um, neither did I. Yeah. And then when Jordy said, well, I've been saving this as a surprise. I was like, oh, my gosh, they're going to do the D. And I was right, obviously. And the, I mean, I love that design. It's not my favorite Enterprise design, but it's it's up there. It's really a great design. And so seeing it and getting to see that Enterprise again that we thought we'd never, ever see again was just spectacular. I was so excited. Um, and then when they walked on the bridge, oh. they were very, very smart about that because they opened the turbo lift doors and people walked on and the lights were out. You could, you could just make out shapes and then the lights start turning on one by one to reveal it. And it's still not that bright bridge that we're used to from the eighties and nineties, but it's, it's getting there and you're seeing each thing. And then finally you've got the whole bright thing and you're like, Oh, I'm home. Um, and then data and is, is every fan. He goes down and says, hello chair. And you're like, yes, hello, hello, all the chairs and all the bridge. And then Picard, this is another example of their humor. Picard says, uh, having you all here reminds me of what's, what I miss most about this, the carpet. And that <laughs> just, it's, it's a classic example of the humor that came out of this, out of this season. Um, you know, and it's, it's just, and you're just so happy to be there. You know, anybody who grew up watching this series. Um, next generation, you're you're just happy to be back on the bridge. It's there's a real comfort zone there, I think. Yeah, because the way she was destroyed in generations, I didn't like. I thought it was, it's like, come on, no way that they would be able to destroy it. But they certainly made up for it, uh, and uh, and she's back, and she's in a place of honor. Totally love that. It was very emotional for me. To yeah. see it as well, to uh, relive so many memories, and not only that, to see them on the bridge, but but they're older, yeah. And it was like you know, it's like ah, uh, it was like, and that was really made it even more special, I think, because yeah. the history they have there, and uh, and Riker, the last scene on the bridge where it's just the three of them, Jordy, Picard, and, and Riker, and and he just says, "How many times have we saved?" the universe from this bridge you know yeah it yeah. was just like it's yeah we, I, we remember all of them and 
a flood of memories of all the favorite episodes, yesterday's enterprise, all so many that come to mind when you see when you you know revisit that bridge. It was yeah. very emotional, and I'm I'm so so glad. And my only advice is please do not tear that set down. Keep that right. set as a standing yeah. set. You'll be able to use it somehow. Absolutely. But do not do not tear that down. One thing I I don't think I I was afraid that they were going to be like okay now we're out and about let's do a series on the same ship with the same cast just older and just have them wandering around the galaxy on, in the Enterprise D. I don't think narratively that would make much sense. I don't think I I'm not sure. I mean I I would watch anything Star Trek. Let's face it, but um, I'm not sure it would it would have the same impact as just having it you know pulling it out once in a while. Um, I, they didn't do that. They, the Enterprise D goes on display then at the, at the ship museum, which I think is right. So it's still there. It's still in the universe. It's still available. Um, but we're not suddenly doing Star Trek, the next generation phase two and wandering around the universe. These, these old folks wandering around the universe in this, in this ship, that's not part of the fleet. And, Mm -hmm. you know, which was, I was afraid where they were going. Yeah. But they, Speak, but, speaking of that, that's kind of, well, first, let's go on to this thing. First of all, Star Trek is known for quickie promotions. Have you noticed that? <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's like, yeah, you know, it's a, it was a quickie promotion. So, you know, Jack gets, gets uh, kind of uh, fast-tracked on, you know, in Starfleet, a, you know, a year later, and he ends up, and another reveal, this w- was the Enterprise G. Yeah, wow. tell me about your reaction to that. Uh, this is one thing I want to talk about. Um, you know, I, I, it was, it was. Hey, look, anytime there's an Enterprise in the fleet, yeah. you know, part of me always there always should be because of the legacy of the famous starship it, with the original series with Picard and even the Enterprise C with Captain Rachel Garrett and you know her sacrifice. Um, Captain the Captain Harriman's B, eh, maybe not so much, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they're still waiting for the warp drive. Day. I think on that, but, uh, <laughs> but, but I, but I, you know, because of it, I always feel there should be an Enterprise in Star Trek in some shape or form. So you know, it's like G. It's like yeah, it was. You know, they obviously it was the it's a Titan, and they just rechristened it, and I'm sure there'll be another Titan, you know, coming out as well. So, but uh, yeah, it was it it was great to see it. It wasn't as strong as reaction as I had, for example, in Star Trek: The Motion Picture, when Admiral Kirk goes to the Enterprise and yeah. you see the whole new Enterprise, and after so many years, ten years, between the last episode and the movie, to uh, actually it was eleven years, but to um, to see that ship was very emotional. And this one, it was like, oh wow, eh, it's good to see an old friend in a yeah. new with a new paint job, you know, that kind of thing. But I like that. Uh, here's my pitch for how that moment should have gone. Uh, it should have begun the way it the way it began with with them taking Jack to his new ship, uh, and they've been keeping it under wraps what the what the ship is called. Um, and then they should have been. You remember, and that the name, you know. Uh, a name doesn't mean anything, you know, that whole conversation with them about name. Yeah. That that can all stay, right? 
they're coming up, they're near the Titan. Um, and Picard says, well, of course you're going to be on the Titan. All the same as it did. But then they do a Star Trek four, where they fly past the Titan, just like they did the Excelsior at the end of Star Trek four, fly past the Titan, and they reveal a brand new starship, the USS Picard. That is what I was expecting. That's what I think should have should have happened. Um, it's always good to have an Enterprise in the fleet, and they could have done that some way. But I feel like the the whole conversation was leading up to the you know like the Enterprise. Great, it's an Enterprise. Why are we rechristening the Titan? I, that didn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, it makes a lot of sense because now they have they can just be on the Enterprise, but with the Titan set that's already built i get that yeah um, yeah but no, it's actually a really good point and um yeah I, I i can probably tell you i would put money on this there will be a starship picard in the future i think yeah i mean that's uh i mean there's a hikaru sulu so i know there's going to be a Picard. absolutely um, yeah. this would have been the best the perfect moment to reveal that yeah it would have been it would so, have been but yeah. I can see what they're doing. I do you know, yeah. uh, what about, I mean, this is a potential setup for a possible another show. Uh, so how do you feel about that? Continuing the adventures of this crew? Or also, my idea is to kind of have, uh, you know, Star Trek Legacy kind of be a, not only just of what's going on in the Enterprise, but also yeah. fleet-wide having guest stars from every show. Even uh, Dr. Phlox could show up yeah. because a Denobian has a longer lifespan. And certainly um, T'Pol could show up because Vulcans have a longer right. lifespan. Right, of course, yeah. So that's possible. Uh -huh. And you, know, you, can, you can go back to Deep Space Nine. Uh, you can, uh, you have obviously, uh, Admiral Janeway is still in the, in the neighborhood. Yeah. So you can do that. You have Tuvok. Um, and depending on what happens with Chakotay in Prodigy, you you can have him. Uh, and so you know, and even the even the Doctor, you know the the you know, EMH, he's essentially a program, so yeah. it can come back as well. So yeah. I would love to see something like that and incorporates and stories that just like they were well used in this one, that they would be well used in that. So you know, instead of just doing another ship going out exploring yeah. because we already have that with strange right. new i i agree um and i don't know if you remember in star trek discovery before star trek discovery ever aired um they were building two sets and there were rumors going around that the show was actually going to focus on two starships and it didn't it the shinju lasted the first two episodes and then was blown up um and or i I can't remember what happened to it. It wasn't blown up, but it, it was in the two episodes. And then we went over to the Discovery. So it only focused on Discovery eventually. But they could do something like that. They could split up the characters and the crew onto different ships, um, but then do stories that revolve around both of them or sometimes just one of them or, you know, an A plot on one and a B plot on the other. Something like that, I think, would be really interesting to see, you know, uh, to see more variety there. Yeah, I think the ultimate tease is bringing Q in and saying, it's like, yeah. hey, there's you have you have a lot of adventures ahead of you. Yeah. So it's kind of like, oh, here we go. I mean, yeah. Terry set that up brilliantly, and Absolutely. it's it's there for the taking. 
And yeah. uh, if we keep kind of throwing it out there eventually, and you can even bring back, he mentioned that during our interview, uh, that art round table, that there's a way to bring back uh, Todd Stashwick's Shaw too. Yeah. And yeah, he says I it's a wonderful, he has, a, they have a wonderful idea for that. Yeah. So I it's like, really, hmm. um, because it wasn't like, well, he's popular now, so we need to find a way to bring him back. It was like, while they were writing his death, they were like, I have a great way to bring him back. Before we even ever met him, you know, before it, the first episode aired, they were already thinking, well, if we kill him now, I have a really great organic way to, to bring him back. So, um, so I thought that was interesting because he, yeah. he was a fan favorite character. So, Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I, also, um, you can also do anything that happened before Picard and Riker boarded the ship. Yeah. So they've obviously been in space a while. So you could do like an episode or two be part of legacy where, uh, depending on what Todd is doing, um, you know, uh, it's so you can do something along those lines. And, yeah. and, and I always thought of something along those lines called, I, I called it like Tales of the Federation, where essentially, or Captain's Logs or something like that, where you kind of go back and you have an episode on different starships with different crews kind of going through whatever. So you're not locked into one crew, almost right. an anthology type. But I, I probably that would probably be too expensive. It's probably better. What probably works would be to do the Enterprise G as the main story, and then have offshoots stories yeah. uh, with you know, so that these people could be brought back as guest stars, and you don't have to pay all these people to be regulars on the right. show. Exactly, that gets expensive. Because yeah. I think Terry alluded to that yesterday. Is that it's still a television budget. So they're not going to be able to uh, right. to do everything. Yeah, yeah, totally. There is one thing that you reminded me of this, and we got to talk about it. Yeah. Section 31. Section 31, yes. So there was an announcement this week um, that the ever since before Discovery, they've been talking about doing a Section 31 spinoff starring Michelle Yeoh. Um, well, anybody who's been watching the news lately knows Michelle Yeoh is obscenely busy. She's doing so many things. She's booked until 2026 right now. Wow. Um, so a series seemed real unlikely. But yeah. But have been hoping for it. Well, it was announced this week that um, Section 31 is coming to your uh, eyes, but via an event movie. Um, which is interesting because Alex Kurtzman about a week before had said um, that they were looking at doing some event movies and some miniseries and things like that. Um, and this is going to be one of them with uh, Michelle Yeoh. This is going to be the first of hopefully many uh, with Michelle Yeoh at the helm. So uh, what do you think of that? You know, I, it makes sense. And I'll tell you for a lot of reasons, winning the best uh, actor award, uh, you know, in the Oscars, is automatically puts you on a whole nother level. Yeah. And um, honestly, I don't think they can afford to have her available for a whole series yeah. because her people, and rightly so, would demand a certain salary. Sure. But she's very fond of the character and she would do a movie. And I think that's totally her decision. I think she really wants to do it. 
Sure. She loved the character and loved being on Star Trek. So, um, and, I'm, and I'm so glad she feels that way. She seems like a very down to earth person anyway. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think that's a great idea. It also frees her up to do other things. Uh, you know, they can, they can shoot it. Um, I mean, I don't know how much they could cram into a movie, okay. uh, but, uh, you know, it should be interesting. Uh, is it going to be the origins of Section 31? I don't know. I, I would hasten to say probably not. Okay. Um, I, I feel like, so the character, a lot of the heavy lifting's already been done. We already know what Section 31 is. We already yeah. know who the character is. They've already laid all that groundwork. They don't have to do that. In yeah. this event movie, um, what I think I think what my guess is what's going to happen is she was sent back. She went forward in time with the discovery. Um, she has now been sent back in time by the Guardian of Forever back to where she left. Um, I think it's going to pick up from there or from right after that, where she comes back in. And says, and she was part of Section Thirty-One for that last season. That Discovery was in the twenty-third century. Um, I think she's going to come back and be like, "I'm back. I'm, I'm still part of this organization." And then she's going to try to make some changes from within. That's my guess. Um, that they they're not going to bother with all the. They may do a couple of lines that remind you about who Section Thirty-One is for anybody who wasn't paying attention or who Michelle Yeoh's character is, but I think they're, they can just now pick up and be enough. People have been looking forward to this, that they know, we know all these characters and all these situations. Um, so now they can just move, move forward with the, with the story. Um, I yeah. think that's the only way they can do it in a single event movie, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think it makes more sense. You don't need to do a backstory uh, episode or movie. You can just, dive into a new adventure and right. show you what some of the nefarious things that section 31 does. Exactly. And the married Giorgio is perfect for them. <laughs> it's like, she will cut corners, you know, and uh, she likes no rules. So I think that'll be, <laughs> that'll be really, really cool. Absolutely. Just on a personal note, I had the privilege of a couple of years ago going to uh, San Diego comic-con. Oh, cool. They had the costumes for the mirror universe. So I saw Tilly's uniform. The detail was brilliant, but also Michelle Yeoh's uniform, you know, her, her yeah. mirror universe, including her sword. And it was pretty damn impressive. That's a really was. Or such All the costumes for that show are just so oh. from day one. And yeah. the mirror universe are some of my favorite costumes. I love those things. Yeah, I, I, I'll miss Discovery. Uh, you know, it, it's, oh. it's, um, it's, I was taken aback that they were going to end it. Um, but, um, but maybe it's not a bad thing. I think they've had a great, you know, it's going to be four years, a yeah. great four years. It'll and I don't think quality is going to suffer. I think this is the fifth season. That's fifth season. Right. That's right. Yeah. Fifth season. So, yeah, I think they're, they're going to be fine. Uh, I, I think it's a great way to, uh, to, to finish. Uh, and I think probably the money that would have been used for legacy is going to go towards Starfleet Academy. Yeah. And we'll see. And yeah. they might do another animated because the budget wouldn't be that big for an animated series. Sure. Yeah. So, but what, what I'm looking forward to in Strange New Worlds, because I've talked to 
a few people about this, uh, Mike Mahan, I talked to about this, is the the crossover episode between the the crew of the Cerritos and, of course, Strange New Worlds. Yeah. That is going to be... That's gonna be that is a that that looks to be a fun episode, especially with Mr. Jack Quaid being involved. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, they didn't make. Did you have you seen the trailer that just dropped yesterday for Strange New Worlds? Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. it was good. But they didn't make any reference to that. Not episode. at all. No, no. Um, what 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 stood out to you about it? Uh, it's interesting. I wrote it up for Daily Star Trek News last night, and a number of things stood out. Um, well, uh, I, I think they punched the humor a lot. Yes. There was a lot of humor in that. And I'm always looking for humor because without, without humor, the drama doesn't hit quite as well. So, um, so I, I liked the humor. I, I did notice that, and this, I may be, you know, making, um, making connections where there is none. The, I looked up what the, um, what the background music is they used. And it's um, a song by the Postal Service, um, which is a band I don't actually know. Um, and I can't remember what it's called, but it's basically about um, one half of a romantic couple missing the other half who are out touring, um, hmm. you know, uh, in, a, in a band, in another band. Um, and hmm. I, not that they're a romantic couple, but I don't believe there was a single scene, a single shot, and maybe I'm wrong about this. I don't think there's a single shot that Pike and um, number one were together, um, which is interesting because when they beam Jim Kirk on board in the transporter room, we never see Kirk with Pike. And in the original series, Kirk says, I only met Pike the once when I, when we transferred command. So I think they're thinking about that, which is great. Um, but the, it also raises a lot of questions like, Suddenly, number one's back on the ship. Oh yeah, how's that happen? <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> she was just arrested. I know. There's something. There's something that something's happening there. This episode. I mean, I'm not surprised, but the fact that they didn't really even address it at all in the in the thing surprised me. Um, and also, Spock is in command um, and trying to come up with a like engage yeah that's good that was funny that was funny funny. (laughs) Um, but but we did i'm not sure we may have seen one shot of pike on the bridge but we haven't seen that many no bridge so i'm wondering if they're going to separate him from the enterprise maybe for a while for a bit this season or something i don't know is it time for the accident i don't know maybe maybe it is (laughs) maybe maybe it is i mean there was There was a thing with him out of his Starfleet uniform, like furs or something. Um, yes, yes. Which was interesting. Uh, and they addressed the time travel thing that everybody knew was coming. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he he didn't really show up with Kirk or number one. So I'm, yeah. I'm interested to see where they go, where they go with that. You know? Yeah. And Spock drinking blood wine with Klingons. It was yeah. like. That was interesting. Yes. That was really interesting. I was wondering if they if they went to Klingons, if they were going to do ridged foreheads or no ridged foreheads. I'm wondering if they're going to address what happened in Enterprise um, in reference to we know they don't have ridges in the original series. Right. Are they going to address that or because, you know, the Klingons, they look a lot more like next generation Klingons than the yes, Klingons did. Yep. 
So. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe you they'll know, just ignore it, which would be fine too. But. Did you catch this too? This is a really an interesting point that somebody made online. So Kirk is beaming on board the Enterprise. Yeah. And who is there? A dis, essentially a relative of Khan Noonien yes. Singh. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. it was like, whoa, because he it's like it's talk about foreshadowing, you know. <laughs> I know. This is yeah, it's I mean, they're really smart about about all of this stuff. So I'm sure they have a plan. They're like, okay, the, I we know that she's related to Khan Noonien Singh and Kirk's gonna meet him in the future. And we know that he can't meet Pike, and we know that the Klingons don't have ridges in the original series. So you gotta assume that they know all this stuff and have a plan as to how it's all gonna pan out. Mm -hmm. um, you know. And, so. and was that a Gorn I saw? Did you? I think I might have missed the Gorn. I where th there was a scene where I think it was, um, you know, I forget her character's name. You know, Khan's relative, and yeah. this creature well, is like. You know, essentially screaming in her face looked very lizard-like. Oh, I'll have to. I think I missed that. I'll have to. I watched it two or three. So, times, but so yeah, I, I saw I it again this morning, that. and it's like, is that a Gorn? I yeah, wonder. I'll bet it is because she's got quite the history with the Gorn. She does. She and does. They, really, they have to pay it off. They didn't. They sort of touched on it throughout the season last season. Yeah, uh, but there's no real. Even that scene where they were. Um, or or that episode where where they came across the Gorn, they didn't really pay it off. No, like obviously there's more to come. So. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure they're thinking about it. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Oh, we covered a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I'll say <laughs> there there is something I do want to say. Yeah, uh, and it's really a plug on your website. I saw the video this morning, and I'm trying to get them as well. But at least it's out there, and it's so important. Coming up as we tape this, April twenty fifth is the Purple Stride, yeah. And you had, you had really three generations of Star Trek on your on your pot on your podcast, but really the to me the real superstar is Kitty, because she's a survivor and she is like a voracious fundraiser. It's to fight pancreatic cancer, pancan.org, and also check out your interview. There's a lot of good material on there. Of course, Jonathan lost a brother to it. And yeah. I actually, my wife lost an aunt just last year to pancreatic cancer. So it touches everybody. And uh, you, I, I can't recall anybody who has not had a relative pass away that I know that had passed away from cancer in one shape or another. Yeah. So it is, it is the plague that we, uh, it makes COVID, no. It's cancer. It's always cancer. Absolutely. But um, it's yeah, been... I will, I will tell you, the research they're doing, they're, they're PANCAM, Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. Um, yeah. And that, so that's what they're focusing on is the pancreatic cancer. But yeah. this research they're doing will help fight all cancers. You know, oh, that's they're wonderful. focusing on this one, one issue. But it's really, Armin Shimmerman, um, uh, talked, when I was talking to him, he was like, it's really everybody. Uh, you know, all cancers will benefit from the money we're raising. Um, and it's called Purple Stride. It's on April 29th. Uh, they have a team, Trick Against Pancreatic Cancer. Yes. Uh, I'm walking as well. Um, hey, that's great. In Hartford. Um, my, I'm only one person, so my uh, goal is is a little more modest than theirs. I'm, I'm just trying to get 
a thousand dollars, and I'm about sixty-seven uh, percent of the way there. They're oh, trying great. to get twenty-nine thousand dollars, I think, and they're okay. about seven percent of the way there. So hey, every little bit, every little bit, absolutely. Um, so if you if you you know anybody listening to this wants to support either me or them, it would be very much appreciated. You can go to um, PanCan and and um, donate to Purple Stride, or just donate to PanCan. Um, it's just a, it's a really great cause. Um, oh yeah. yeah. And, you know, I had a, um, an aunt who passed away when I was 15 of breast cancer. Yeah. Uh, oh. And this could, this could have helped her too. You know, every, every dollar pan can raises, um, or every dollar we raise for pan can goes to fighting it to, you know, getting information into newly diagnosed people's hands. You know, it's a really great cause. Yeah. So, and also at pancan.org, you can check out what cities are having the walks. Yeah. If it's something local, you can join in the walks. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's, now. Yeah. So it's a great, great cause. And uh, and I'm so glad that uh, that people from Star Trek are involved. But that's the way Star Trek people are. It's like they, uh, they will give their time to something worthwhile. And, and yeah. God bless them for that. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. And just to just to clarify, um, as you say, Jonathan Frakes' brother Daniel died of pancreatic yeah. By the time he was diagnosed, it was too late. Yeah, um, yeah. Kitty Swink, who is Armin Shimmerman's wife, uh, and was also in two episodes of Deep Space Nine, she is a survivor. She's one of the few lucky ones who have survived it. Um, yeah, yeah. And John Billingsley, I didn't know this before I spoke to him, but John Billingsley, his mother died of pancreatic cancer. Oh wow! Um, so they're all on the team, but and they all have a connection somehow to to this pancreatic cancer. So, um, you know, it's the right. They tell me the recovery rate goes up by one percent every year. So currently good. it's twelve percent, which doesn't seem like a lot, but one percent a year is pretty good. That there's, is pretty good. New stuff every every day. Um, wow. You know, and considering when Daniel um, Frakes was diagnosed, the recovery rate was 4% or lower, to now be at 12% is actually yeah. a leap. So um, yeah. whatever we can do to support this. Is- yeah, my wife's aunt, actually, they gave her a year to live, and she actually ended up living for two. Wow. And a lot of it was the treatments that she received. It extended her life and, um, you know, and you know, her family got a little more time with her, which was nice. That is, that is nice. Yeah. Great lady and uh, had a wonderful laugh and uh, great mom too. Uh, at, you know, so at the memorial service, we went in Ohio in the middle of winter, <laughs> but but it was for a good cause and uh, to say goodbye to somebody that was, uh, that's dearly missed uh, to this day. So uh, if we can increase that survival rate, that would be awesome, but what a great organization and and uh, you know, and I have to credit you know the actors for really making me aware of it, so yeah, I'm really happy yeah, me it. too. I knew nothing about it um, yeah. until I wrote a story on it um about about it with as regard to Jonathan Frakes last year, and then I got him on the podcast to talk a little yep. bit, and then I talked to Armin about something completely different and found out he was involved too, yep. Um, and so we arranged this whole this whole meetup that we could talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. And there is some Star Trek talk in there, just to. Oh yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, <laughs> you can't <laughs> you can't avoid the elephant in the room, sort of. Exactly, thing. exactly. <laughs> in fact, the first time I was talking to Jonathan, 
I didn't really prepare any Star Trek questions because I was like, he wants to talk about this pan can. I want to yeah. give him voice for this. And uh, he was like, are you sure you don't want to talk about Star Trek? <laughs> so he was really into talking about the Star Trek part too. So, oh yeah, of course. You know, it so, means you know, a lot I to him. Be respectful of what he wanted to talk about, but he wanted yeah, to, yeah. He wanted to what, add. What I like to do is I start off with pan cam. Uh -huh. In the middle, we do Star Trek, and then we finish up that with Pan Can. Sure, yeah, that's a great. And word. that kind of bookends it. And this way, the first thing you hear and the last thing you hear is about what's really the important thing. Yeah. But we had we had some fun. He asked me about uh, what I thought of of Nemesis, and that was kind of interesting. I didn't expect to be asked about that, but I, I gave him an honest answer. <laughs> no, <I didn't. laughs> so, yeah, he was great. You know, he he was it was a great interview. Very very laid back. I mean, he's just. It's like talking to somebody you've known for years. It's really yeah, crazy. Absolutely. He's yeah. great. They're they're all I've never met anybody in Star Trek that I can say, God, I wish I didn't talk to this person. No. They were all phenomenal. Yeah. All phenomenal. Yeah. My first interview was with Brent Spiner and it was oh, actually nice. for um Sherlock Holmes magazine, because I, I was doing yes, a, that's right. an article about about data in Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, sure. Um yeah, hey, Moriarty came back. That was great. Came back. I'm going to get an interview with him. We'll see what happens. I yeah, Daniel Day, uh, Daniel Davis, I think is Daniel name. Davis. Right, exactly. Yeah, um, he was great in the short period of time he had. It was like, wow, I did not expect that. Yeah, yeah, and he's a big Star Trek fan. I did get, I got, I didn't know that to talk to him for Daily Star Trek News, um, and he is a huge Star Trek fan. Like he was a Star Trek fan before he was ever even considered for a role on Star Trek. Wow, look at that. So, and he basically told me he'd come back for any any anything they wanted him to come back for for Star Trek. He's a huge fan. Um, but he said he had no idea what he was doing when he filmed that little piece for Picard. Yeah, and, yeah. You no, know, he was like, I had no idea what was going on. He said, I in the green room, uh, between takes, I asked you know the other folks that were on, what exactly is going on with this? Because he had only gotten his his lines, basically. Yeah. Were, you think we know what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> he said they were joking, but you know they kept everything very close to the chest. So. Oh, uh, he he was he's great. I mean, he just. I mean, again, well, another actor that was not just there was a reason he was there. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it was data. It was, and that huh? was so beautifully done. The way they. They mixed in all these different elements from previous episodes, Absolutely. like the Raven and stuff. I'm sitting there going, wow. It's right. like, I can't believe they actually, uh, it's like, boy, Terry, Terry is a fan. You've got to be to write, you know, to produce something like this. Yeah. It's like, this is not somebody that's doing research. This is somebody who's seen it. Right. Because he's using it the right way. So yeah. I can't credit him enough Absolutely. for this season. Absolutely. Please. CBS Paramount, lock this guy. Do not let this guy walk. Yeah, no, absolutely. Maybe, maybe give him a week off. But <laughs> yeah, give him some time off. But because uh, you know he's earned it. But uh, maybe longer. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, lock him up. I mean, you yeah. got to have him under contract because yeah. this is the kind of producer Star Trek needs. No absolutely. Question. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a dream producer for Star Trek, really, because it's oh. the fan, but who also is creative. And knows the business, so he can take all of that now, all that Star Trek knowledge plus the business knowledge, and combine it to create, you know, season three of Star Trek Picard, which we just saw. So, you know, he's yeah, and um, he started as a PA on Generations. Uh huh. I know. Isn't that something? 
So, yeah. I mean, he was deeply involved with it. Uh, you know, you know, it's like he dove right in. So he knew the world right uh -huh. away. Yeah. So he didn't have to be educated like some other, you know, producers or directors that have, you know, tackled it. So uh, I, I thought that yeah. was, yeah. it's it's quite a story, his story, but uh, yeah. that was cool. Yeah, it was, it was very cool. Is it time to wrap? What do you think? Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's probably time to wrap. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's been a pleasure, Rick. I'm Tony Tolato for the Sci-Fi Talk podcast. And, and I'm T. Rick Jones from Daily Star Trek News. Tony, it's been an absolute delight. Thank you for coming. It, it has. And folks, you can hear this on each of our podcasts where we're doing a co-production. And uh, it's just been a blast doing it. And uh, hey, they're strange in the world. So exactly. <laughs> we'll do this again. We'll get back, back together to talk about that. That sounds great. All right. All right. Everybody take care. Yeah, take care, everybody. Thank you.